right do you want to introduce this time let's see uh, you, you he said he said i, I was giving zach shit for not introducing he said uh, be a little more enthusiastic not so smooth there's nothing wrong with smooth you try it see how you do Hey guys, welcome to episode 14 of the Strength Ratio podcast. I'm taking it over from Zach on this introduction because I think he's a little too soft sometimes. Uh, soft, soft and smooth is not bad. It's still, it is if you like smooth. soft and smooth, leave a comment because it's not bad. We bicker a lot. So today we're going to talk a little bit about fatigue management. Uh, we're going to talk about that in general and then kind of specifically for the Open coming up for our CrossFitters, and anyone who is competing in that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about RPE also in general, and then around that with fatigue management in the open. Um, and then just some other areas that we've kind of had thoughts on this past week um, and bringing that all together. And uh, I was kind of joking, we should call it a fire ch- fireside chat today. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to get started with that. Where do you want to start, Zach? Well, it's kind of ironic because I'm without heat. So yeah, Zach is currently without heat. So we're right actually now. quite cold. This is hardly a fireside chat. But um, we're going to start by talking about all of those very important things that make us want to just take our athletes by the shoulders and shake them in terms of recovery uh, and fatigue management because they know it's so important, though there just seems and we all, to be. We all do this. And I we think. all do this. You know, life sometimes gets in the way, but we're going to run through. Uh, proper fatigue management, or at least the hierarchy of uh, sorry hierarchy of recovery for fatigue management purposes. Um, you really can't out train a uh, a, a lifestyle that promotes a lack of sleep or a deficiency in fuel. So you can't be uh, in a cut unless it's deliberately timed in, a, uh, in an appropriate range towards a competition body weight. And you can't outrun four or five hours of sleep if you want to improve performance. You can uh, complex all you'd like. You can um, you know, do ice baths and go to your chiropractor or your PT. But if you're not getting enough sleep and if you are not fueling your body appropriately to either maintain at even calories so as to maintain body weight or better yet be in a slight surplus so as to promote muscle muscle mass or uh, increase in muscle gain uh, then you're, you're really kind of chasing your tail so do know that that's where you have to start now it's uh, an average of uh, eight hours is something that a lot of people struggle with. Um, Busy lifestyles. uh, We all have many more things going on in our lives that are more important than exercise, believe it or not, uh, just such as family obligations, work obligations, et cetera. Though there are some who can prioritize their fitness above all else. Um, But just know that while eight hours is this really great number to shoot for, Something like seven may be really, really good. That's certainly better than five or six where I've noticed in myself and in others. And of course, they're going to be outliers for, you know, anything we discuss in terms of fitness. But when it creeps under six hours, like at or under six hours, I start to feel like achy and lethargic and not so great. Um, 
And I also notice that I'm not staying on top of my nutrition. I feel those same symptoms. So we just want to make sure that those two things are in check before we start adding extra things. So maybe Kyle, do you want to talk about in your mind underneath sleep and food, adequate food intake, what would be the most important in terms of recovery for improving fatigue management? Yeah, I think recovery is always really hard because it's not, and it's hard to put in a hierarchy too. Um, even though I really like, I just pulled up here while we were talking, uh, James Hoffman, Hoffman, he came out with a recovery book. You're supposed to say I've had this prepared and we're more prepared than they think. It doesn't happen. <laughs> uh, um, he, he, he has a really nice hierarchy uh, where he starts with uh, training within your uh, MRV as, as the base of the hierarchy. And that just means maximal recoverable volume. And we've talked about it a little bit. Is that, which means what? Which means, how would you put that in a very easy term? Which means that you are not training to failure and that it gets harder over time. Yeah. Um, but I think also your MRV is based on how well you're sleeping, how you your nutrition. Yeah. So there's always kind of like, the interplay there between the two. Um, like for, for instance, if someone has gotten poor sleep or it's finals week or midterms, mm -hmm. that's not when training should be its hardest. Exactly. That's just a horrible car accident. And as the coach, you want to just keep watching and just see how far they go, but you just can't help but turn away. Yeah. And I think, I think what uh, can help a lot of people is recognizing when those times are coming for sure and, and being okay with backing off and I mean, communicating with a coach. If there's a coach. Yeah. And there's, there's been a lot of studies the past couple of years that have shown that, uh, adaptations that you've acquired take a long time to go away, or even if they do go away, come back very fast. So, you know, a week of, you know, bringing, your training volume down while you're focusing in other areas of life is not going to take away all the gains you've made. No. And you still get the routine and the psychological benefits mm -hmm. of going in and getting the job mm -hmm. done. Uh, you, you don't have to starve yourself because you're not training. Mm -hmm. um, those are some good points. Why don't you go on with the, uh, um, the hierarchy, the hierarchy or, or why you don't really think a hierarchy might be as simple in, in practicality. Well, so the hierarchy starts with the training within your MRV. Above that is passive recovery, and that, that is things like the sleep, relaxation, stress management. Uh, above that, kind of um, next to each other is nutrition and active recovery. So we all know what nutrition is. Active recovery is things like deloads, active rest phases, uh, light days, things like that. And then above that, at the tip of the pyramid, is therapeutic. So massages, going to your chiropractor, other things like that, and supplemental uh, compression garments. Um, this could include supplements to an extent, um, and other like kind of smaller products you might buy, like, like the comp comp, what is it? Compax and, uh, stem recovery and things like that. And I think it's always, it's always hard to me to put things in a hierarchy, um, or at least at the base. But you're a stickler for graphs like that. You love it. I, I do like it because it, it helps conceptualize something yeah. to a greater degree. I'm surprised you said that. Uh, well, I just think for the base of the pyramid, I was just thinking about the passive recovery and the training within your MRV. Well, can, like, can I quickly mention about each affect each other so much? Can I mention something about the importance of training within your MRV? Yeah. So when you hear that MRV, just think uh, training within your ability to recover for the next session. Mm -hmm. well, as simple as that. Which is affected by your sleep and nutrition. I just think that's why there's so, so, so to yeah. that point, it's like, so if, if we have an athlete – who's getting six hours of sleep, mm -hmm. we don't say, oh, sorry, you can't train with us. No, as, as, coach, as coaches, um, we would say, okay, we're understanding that your 
uh, best effort that you could otherwise recover from when all, everything else is in check is going to be lower. So we're going to adjust the percentages. We might adjust total uh, volume. We might even, where there was once a training day, take away a training day. Mm -hmm. And just say maybe like, hey, sleep in if you otherwise have the chance. So that's why at the base of this recovery pyramid, I think it's so wise for, again, this is from uh, Dr. James Hoffman of Renaissance Periodization of putting that at the base because if all of your recovery methods are in place, go hard, uh, of course, in an appropriate progressive fashion. Mm -hmm. If not, make an adjustment. That's, however, challenging if you're not honest with yourself and if you have a big ego. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. So that's the hierarchy for recovery. We're all done. And I, I, <laughs> I think one thing to, to um, point out here is that so uh, Hoffman likes planned, uh, what does he call it at the top? Like the things that may not even be scientifically proven. What? Like oh. his, the foam rolling and- Oh, uh, like the compression and- Yeah, what does he call that? The therapeutic or supplemental. Okay, so what, that which is what he would quote uh, call it therapeutic or supplemental. These things may not even have uh, proven structural or physiological changes but as he mentions, and if you can uh, head over to Revive Stronger's podcasts, uh, he's been on a couple. Of he's been on a, yeah. a couple. Uh, the most recent I heard was uh, on Steve Hall's Revive Stronger, where he mentioned that the benefits we're realizing from a lot of these kind of chiropractic visits, massage, foam rolling, etc., is just from the relaxation standpoint. Yeah. And we're going to get into the open and talk about that. And, and a lot of people who are eager to exceed, uh, ex exceed, who are eager to excel in the open are thinking of, uh, okay, when, how do I balance my, my time? How do I balance my recovery? Well, you know, a lot of this might involve just having planned relaxation pyramids and that will look different for, for different people. Planned relaxation pyramids? Planned relaxation periods. There we go. Um, yeah, I know one thing, one thing he mentions and, and I really like this, um, is that sometimes he'll have his athletes go do something that he knows may not be like scientifically making changes. I think that's what I was trying to get, but to. yeah, but he knows it's going to help them relax. So he'll like say, uh, go to the hot tub because, uh, people usually relax in a hot tub. It's a really relaxing atmosphere. And he's not thinking that it's going to do these like special heat treatments or, things like that. It's just going to help them kind of like not think about anything else. Maybe sit there, their, their breathing will, will deepen, become into a relaxed state, all that kind of stuff. Um, even though he, he knows that it may not be like, Hey, we're getting all these crazy things. Um, and this is a little tangent. Um, it's also, uh, uh, some things I've been hearing a lot of, uh, other fitness professionals say recently, and something that we think about or talk about a lot as well, is that you hear out there a lot of things that like have these crazy, like, oh, they have all these benefits. Hmm. And um, it's usually, th things can have these benefits, but it's you, you probably would spend much more, if you spend much more time just like really focusing, like if you believe it's going to work, then it may work. I don't really know where I was going there. I like I was going on a tangent. And You're then doing I kinda, really like, great for a second. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think where you where you could have gone. Let's scratch that. Let's go back to Zach. <laughs> no, I think you were saying that like spend your time on that, which will perhaps elicit the most uh, significance. Yeah. Like if you were to use ice, does it work? Sure, but with what mm -hmm. significance, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, when people ask me about recovery, that's what I always say. I always ask like, do you, 
do you think it's helping? And if they say, yeah, it feels really good. I really like it. Um, then I say, definitely go do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I personally don't do any of those things. Um, I, I think I'm also have Kyle's to, above it. <laughs> well, I think I also have like, I do recognize that I'm young, so I don't get some yeah. of these like aches and pains or, uh, as tired sometimes. And so maybe I don't need it yet. Um, but I also, I just recognize that if someone thinks it's helping, that it's a good, like, okay, we'll keep, keep doing it. If you believe in it, then it probably is going to help. I mean, the placebo effect is a huge, huge, huge thing and, and can definitely, yeah, definitely I, cause some crazy changes. We're going to have to change our definition of the placebo. As I mentioned on another podcast, it's not that which has been affirmed by science as not having worked, but people elicit or, and from that people elicit no physiological change. We're learning now that there could be scientific, uh, strong scientific evidence to say that it doesn't create structural or physiological change, but that it actually through the placebo effect in and of itself creates a positive physiological or relaxation type change in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, even if what the product uh, advocates or, or, or promises isn't really the exact way of getting there as an end result. Mm-hmm. We want to kind of go away from passive recovery now. Big takeaways there. Or the, the recovery hierarchy. Sorry, the recovery hierarchy. Uh, big takeaways. Try to get your best, most consistent sleep. Eat your food to support your activity levels. But we're now going to move on to something that does play a role in fatigue management because that's the larger topic. And I think this is actually something that we've really tried to hone in on and we've changed most in our programming, maybe more than anything, mm. due to the Mike Isratels and uh, Eric Helms and, and Eric Helms and, and these uh, PhDs and, and uh, trainers who've been around long enough to recognize, of course, having done it wrong themselves in the past, that training can't be hard all the time. Okay, well, how can we monitor that? Uh, well, we can do it with a, a, a structured plan. And we've emphasized the importance of a structured plan. Within a structured plan, you will be controlling for fatigue management as long as that structured plan is somewhat good. Some mm-hmm. plan is better than none. Uh, but we're going to talk about rate of perceived exertion or uh, RIR, reps in reserve, as it pertains to a single exercise, as it pertains to a single mesocycle, and even as it pertains to a single uh, year, or maybe even a quadrennial. Uh, but we'll probably focus in on the year because we'll talk about the open. But training with RPE, or at least some understanding of how hard you are going, might provide insight in hindsight as for how uh, uh, much you can increase and the rate at which you can increase or how quickly is it before I'm just going to totally fall off this this train, right? Mm-hmm. So with the Open coming up, we know that these workouts are undoubtedly pushing to maximal effort. You're probably going to hit both lactate and ventilatory thresholds. So we know that we can't keep RPE high every other day of training. Mm-hmm. 
We just won't be able to recover between 18.1 to 18.2 or between test one of 18.1 to test two of 18.1. So this RPE can involve, uh, like I said, a sense of how hard I'm pushing per single bout of exercise or in these recovery sessions, uh, making sure that the perceived exertion is lighter so as to recover from fatigue and that when we are doing weight training, we leave some reps in reserve. So if you've never heard of reps in reserve, imagine performing a set of eight squats. A squat is an exercise that many of you have performed and we say to leave three reps left in the tank. You might not feel confident with it with it at first, but you'd probably be able to identify after the set, at least that initial set, how many reps away from failure you were. And we've found that, especially for our CrossFit athletes, there is this will to push, maybe when technique is otherwise breaking down and they could stop earlier so as to maintain better technique with quote unquote reps in reserve. And in our programming, as we advance throughout a mesocycle, we want those reps in reserve to slowly decrease so that either the volume's getting heavier, so it's just more fatiguing from an endurance standpoint, or that the weight's getting heavier. Now, during the open, when you're doing your weight training, and percentages can also fall under this RPE scale. Mm. When you're doing your weight training on your non-CrossFit open days, it would be good to have a low to moderate RPE, low to moderate uh, percentage of one rep max, or uh, a, uh, say, two to four reps left in the tank per set rather than one rep in the tank per set or none, which basically means that you're, you're hitting failure. So this form of biofeedback, which it ultimately is and is at the top of our pyramid, uh, has a very important role in helping you monitor fatigue as long as you're being honest about it. That's something you often remind me of. Mm. how RPE works, but you have to be honest in your assessment of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, some, something I was reading earlier was <clears throat> just talking about how uh, in beginners uh, specifically, uh, RPE can sometimes be, be hard to gauge. So it's having those percentages around it can be like kind of a good standpoint because uh, if you have like typically sometimes there's percentages that are uh, correlated with kind of like an eight rep max or 10 rep max. Uh, if you say something like this percentage at, you know, this certain RPE should look like this, it's a good way to start basing uh, your future like R RIR reps and reserve for RPE off of. Um, so if you have like 75% is like a 10 rep max usually. Yep. Yeah. So if you have like a, if you have a beginner and you give them 75% um, for, set to 10, three to four and in the tank, uh, they're going to know. And, but you say, this is usually like your 10 rep max there. Um, that you should be hitting around like maybe six or five reps. If they can hit more than that, then well, actually they might be stronger or, or, uh, um, I keep like losing my train of thought. That's right. Um, yeah. You want to take that, take that over? Well, so I, I think just what we're highlighting here is that, Another way to manage fatigue is with this form of biofeedback that simply involves reflection of your exercise based on exertion. Yeah. And 
where this can lead to kind of a uh, slippery slope is just too extreme of like a, a, a phrase to explain this, but where this can become complicated over multiple mesocycles is if you're not reporting how many reps were left in the tank per set. So let's just say you start off your block or you're doing strength sets during the open and you're like, okay, I'm gonna leave three to four in the tank and I'm doing squats because I need my legs fresh for the next open workout in case there are 150 wall balls. Well, if you don't leave that note and you have written there, and because we do a lot of exercise and things during the week, you might forget, mm. you might have completed the sets and reps. You might have even forgotten that the technique came off. And because if the technique comes off, you exceeded one in the tank if, if you're really, really good mm-hmm. or if you're really perceptive. So if you're starting a cycle and you want that cycle to get harder over time or if you're training during the open and you want maintenance volume of all other areas that are not Metcon specific or de- dedicated towards simply just recovering with all the other uh, methods that we spoke about to start the podcast, then you want to leave note that you overshot and you make the adjustment. And that's a mistake that I made a lot when I would first start is that I'd be like, okay, well, that was kind of a grind. And this is part of that not being honest with yourself. But if you just don't record how many reps were in reserve or what the RPE was, the next week you might add more weight. And then your whole mesocycle by that time is probably just messed up because the technique's going to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Cool. So RPE we know is going to be very high during the open workouts themselves, of course. RPE during those non-open uh, events, they're going to be low to moderate. But if we take it a step further and we go even lower, we can involve more skill. And this is something that you can probably do in your sleep if you already have the skill in your pocket and you're just kind of refining the, the, the skill. For instance, if you are new to CrossFit and you're trying to get kipping pull-ups for the first time, you might not have any productive time actually putting in good practice. Uh, during the open, right? See what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas if you have butterfly kipping pull-ups and you know that you can do 40 unbroken, doing a set of 10 is low RPE. Uh So we'd call this skill refinement. And it's something that you can do that is kind of just like polishing the craft, but it's not coming at the cost of a loss of technique or excess fatigue. And this would be good to use for all of the movements that you start to check off your list that have yet to appear in the open that you know will very likely come up later. Although Castro is allegedly going to burst the bubble. Um, if this podcast airs before the announcement, just so you know, my prediction is that after the first workout, this is a quick aside, your percentile score based on the first workout will create an algorithm for which workout you'll receive. I think he's going to split it into quarters. That'd be an interesting thing. It's yeah. going to happen. So you heard, heard it here first. I think you've said it a couple of times now. Then you've heard it here twice. Maybe three. Maybe thrice. <laughs> um, but skill acquisition, when you're done with the Open, is something that kind of falls in this acclimation type phase of training uh, where you might set your sights on 
other fitness endeavors like running, uh, biking, something like weightlifting. And the loading or the technique involved has to be so light so as to get it right. And another thing where you just see people just kind of mm-hmm. try to go zero to 100, we mentioned acclimation phases and people are all up in arms. Where recently, you know, Alex Viata uh, of Complete Human Performance has been talking about this almost like this pre acclimation phase as this skill acquisition phase mm-hmm. where load is so low. And attention to technique is very, very high. Yeah, he talks about you have to you have to earn the right to build volume in that. Yes, like you have to earn the right to to get stronger and to uh, like do your five by tens and to for running to run miles or, or even for metcons to be able to use these certain movements in metcons. You have to uh, you have to earn your right to do that. So spending time really on these like more technique skill acquisition type phases and. Uh, Surprise if you guys listen to this, we're having Alex on next week. So uh, that's yes. kind of why we're, he's he's at the forefront of our mind. Um, More often than not. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he just talks about these phases, uh, uh, about earning your right before moving forward. And I think that's a really good a good idea for, especially the higher skill movements, like any of the gymnastics type movements, uh, just because you get it twice when you're you know sitting there uh, in open gym doesn't mean... Oh, now let me do this in a, in a Metcon. And it makes ultimately RPE uh, and percentage work that much clearer to understand and effective. So mm-hmm. first example of that, I'll give one of a squat and the second example, uh, sorry, first example will be of a squat using RPE and the second will be of a snatch using percentages. So if you uh, have really good techniques, so we've been squatting, you and I have been squatting uh, t- 10 plus years. You're young. No, you've been squatting. Diff- different styles. But but you, there's an awareness of the squat. There's been te- uh, mm. good foundation technique, fortunately, in both of our cases, to where we can look at a workout that's uh, if we start, we're starting a cycle. We know we want to build momentum and not have too much fatigue at the start of that block. We want two sets of 10, three to four in the tank. We know probably off the top of our heads, given how we feel that day and how we're recovered, exactly what rep. 10 will look like at what weight for three to four in the tank. Mm-hmm. It takes practice. So if you don't have that time, it makes training with reps in reserve insofar as you have good technique that much easier because you can really guarantee that you're having quality reps that hit the intended muscles with the intended technique. Mm-hmm. Same thing with percentage work. Those who are newer to Weightlifting, for instance, high skill. For them, percentage work is kind of like boring, feels too light, so to speak. And it's just because the skill hasn't been put in to have an accurate representation of a max Mm. to make those working sets not just feel challenging, but also have a focus as for what specifically you're you're focusing on on the skill. Like Danny said last week, if an athlete comes to him, he's like, coach, I want to do blocks. And he's like, why? He's like, I saw it on the internet. He's like, no, you're, you're not doing blocks just because you saw the internet. Yeah. But the athlete who has this perceptiveness around why they're going to use the blocks at which height and for what reasons, well, that comes with skill refinement. All of this has to come with low RPE. And these lighter days, as Kyle mentioned off of Hoffman's uh, hierarchy, uh, lighter days and deloads. 
this is prime time for skill acquisition. Yeah. And I was also going to say, you know, uh, fitting this within like kind of the ABC model, you do want skill to be under low fatigue. So you don't want to be very fatigued when you're, when you're practicing, but it can kind of fit into that, that C area because it's not going to cause a lot of fatigue because it in itself is not fatiguing. Um, when you say C model, you're talking about our ABC, ABC model. model. Yeah. yeah. So a, a being like, uh, it's always a multiple multitude of things, but a being that high effort, likely compound movement or like really high lactic, uh, accumulation type work in terms of conditioning. Uh, and then C being more either your longer distances, uh, maybe your accessory work, or in this case, it could be that skill refinement. It's not going to be very fatiguing. Um, and so you can do it like quite often. So you can set up kind of across your week or across your meso these lighter days that will also will help you recover for your A and B efforts. And you can also be doing your skill within those areas as well. Yeah. That's why like, if you have the chance, you know, you might even just as weightlifters have uh, sometimes light sessions or AM sessions, not of course every weightlifter, mm -hmm. but pretty serious weightlifters who are training twice a day at the appropriate times of their mesocycle, sorry, macro cycle will have, uh, AM sessions just to kind of like get things going. That's mm -hmm. skill refinement. Um, by the time you've gotten to the open, you know, that that might not be the time. Yeah. Though you could. You can use it as a recovery day after the workout. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You could use it as a recovery day after the workout. You can also just use it as uh, perhaps a way that very day to kind of go through the exercises a few times just kind of see, for instance, like mm. how are the chest bars feeling today? Is mm. there good timing there? How do the legs feel today? Meaning like how might I want to partition mm. these wall balls? So you might want to go into these workouts. And this is where like people say, people are funny when they talk about Rich. It, it, rich is not able to push through quote unquote more pain. Eh, he might be able to. It's hard to say because we don't know. Hard to say because we don't know. But Rich is just so much fitter, or in this case, Frazier now is so much fitter than everyone else, then that his reps in reserve occur, like when he might want to consider reps in reserve during yeah. a wad, that sets in much later than his competition. So you know that sense in a CrossFit workout, um, or if you're a bodybuilder and you're doing tens, uh, or you're a weightlifter and you're doing heavy fives in a squat, you know that sense of like, all right, if I commit to this next rep, there's really no going back. Mm -hmm. It often uh, is accompanied by no reps in CrossFit, mm -hmm. uh, usually like altered mechanics or poor technique mm -hmm. in, in weightlifting and, and bodybuilding. But you want to make sure that when you're doing these uh, CrossFit workouts, you have this RPE and RIR reps and reserve in the back of your head as the workout goes on. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of constantly adjusting right like if you find an exercise that you can like groove on like double unders you're not thinking about mm -hmm. reps and reserve unless your shoulders are like totally blowing up but like for most that they're not thinking about that whereas say if you're doing wall balls and your legs are just totally going to give it out on you whether you know it or not you're pacing or you're just mm -hmm. understanding internally this biofeedback of what's going on and how am i going to partition things so mm -hmm. as to get the best score yeah there's there's always an attitude of and there's always, again, with everything, there's always a balance, but I feel like there's this attitude if I have to go like a thousand percent out of the, out of the gate, otherwise mm -hmm. 
I'm not, I'm not trying my hardest. Um, but I mean, you, you just redline so fast with that kind of approach and actually maybe thinking about, okay, well, this isn't max effort, but staying, especially with more skilled movements where if I fail, I'm done. Mm -hmm. Like if you get to failure on handstand pushups, a 20 second, 30 second rest is going to maybe give you one more handstand pushup. Yeah. Uh, so thinking to yourself, this is a max effort, but I need to stay maybe, you know, a couple of reps of failure for each thing. So that way, if I take some time to recover, I know I can get another handful of reps there. Um, and then even thinking about like the amount of reps there are. So if you know, like a max set you might have for a certain movement, and then it comes out, let's say for just because I was using handstand pushups, for example, that if you've ever done just like a max set and you know, you can do 30 and a mat and a max set and the workout has 20. Uh, now I, definitely depending on the workout uh, or on the movement that it's based with, this will maybe change the max set that you could do, but you can say to yourself, okay, well, 20 is, you know, that's like 66% of what my normal set would look like. I can probably get all 20 of these unbroken, but as you're going through, you definitely still want to stay away uh, from reaching like maybe at 15 because it's paired with like a, like a lot of pulling your shoulders are just smoked you still always want to stay away from that. Yeah, like, that, true uh, failure. Um, that idea. And we've spoken about what efficiency means. Uh, I forgot which podcast we talk about, but you know, high effort, like you mentioned, doesn't mean a faster time. It doesn't mean better gains mm -hmm. just because you're exerting yourself mm -hmm. more. Um, I saw this one post that Galpin, uh, that Andy Galpin posted and it was, uh, Someone, all right, it was a, two videos side by side of himself. One, he's like gesticulating and heads flying on the on bike. assault bike. And another one, he has like upright posture and he's like focusing on good push pull. And it's the same, and it's the same wattage. So, you know, like I think the open is when people think about the open, they think about like that level of hurt that is accompanied by those workouts, like those hero slash open type workouts. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't doesn't mean you want to lose your composure, mm. right? Just because they're going to hurt, you want to maybe stay behind until the last little bit to get your reps in. So yeah. uh, additionally, if you are considering doing the workout twice, we were just talking about this beforehand, that first workout could be that RPE 8. Yeah, 8 or 9. Or 9 where you're pushing yourself hard, certainly, but you're kind of feeling out how the fatigue affects or distracts from one exercise to the next. Mm -hmm. You're sorting out what transitions might have to look like um, so that you have RPE 8 to 9, you might be fully recovered come the, the, the second run through so as to go maybe rpe 10 and if not 10 even if it's the same rpe you now know what to look out for exactly yeah conversely if you're up in the air as for whether or not to repeat the workout and you like go spinal tap and you crank up rpe 11 do you yeah. know what spinal tap is mm -mm. you know like the, the the band they crank it to 11 no. there's no 11 on the i just keep thinking like rko oh you're so young 
But if you do RPE like 11, you totally blow your load. Yeah, you might not improve your score on the next round. Yeah. It's because RPE 11, you're like in another like intergalactic world where you're just not even realizing what's going on. You're not even paying attention yeah. to like transitions or like fatigue or anything like that. It just all sucks. Mm. And you just look really bad when you do You're it. almost like drunk. Yeah, you, you, you're like yeah. drunk exercises. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Got the, head, exactly the, head, right. the head down, you're just falling forward. Yeah, you're like, oh, this, this night's knocking in well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Um, one final piece of fatigue management as it pertains to RPE. We mentioned reps in reserve, maintenance volumes and weights for all of non-Metcon, non-open related exercises or it's like styles of uh, exercise, I should say. Um, we, we, we can uh, focus in as well on low intensity cardio. That could also help with technique refinement when it comes to erging because erging is the only thing you're likely going to see. Um, you can really focus skill there, but you could also bike and walk and really do anything else under the sun that's aerobic that you can do if someone asked you all day, though you won't. And that in and of itself can help your other systems repair. So in review, you got to sleep, you got to eat, you probably want to be in a surplus if you're competitive. That's a good note. That's important. You want time for relaxation. And you take those three things more seriously than probably anything else that you've heard in this podcast. Mm-hmm. But because those things are hard to put into action for most, we have these other ways of helping with recovery uh, that will, whether it's a compex unit, ice, foam rolling, maybe help you just relax. It's almost more disguised. Mm-hmm. Keep up on that. And then we also want to be more mindful of using biofeedback in the form of RIR, reps and reserve, and RPE, rate of perceived exertion. I really hope we said that RPE was rate of perceived exertion at the beginning of this podcast because people might not. Okay. Um, You want to be mindful of that in the larger week and within the workout as it pertains to being able to feel fresh enough for the next workout or the next run through of that workout, as well as for your ability to pace, partition, and be perceptive. That's alliteration of what's going on within each workout. He's proud of himself. I am. Yeah. Well, what did I say? I said pace. Pace. Perception. And then I said another P. If I didn't, then it's not. You already forgot it. Yeah. Well, that concludes today's podcast on fatigue management around the CrossFit Open and in other fitness endeavors. Yes, yeah, so I hope you guys like this. We just kind of wanted to have a podcast. We were just talk about some thoughts that we had or had discussed and uh hopefully we didn't ramble on too much i know i lost my train of thought a couple of times there but uh is there because we don't ramble is there anything that we want to talk about just like things that might be interesting for people listening or not that anything i can think of off the top of my head you're you're, you're going to be doing your first crossfit open not officially though kind of, uh, uh, but yeah uh, uh. I think you should do it officially. Uh, well, anyways, thanks, th- thanks, guys, for listening. And uh, next week we'll have Alex Viata on the podcast. And if you guys have any questions, shoot them our way. I was gonna say, if you don't know Alex Viata, you should probably look him up. But if you know about us and not Alex Viata, that's strange. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Bye.